have one other, so we have two church plant residences, re residences right now. Uh, Victor, you met him a couple of weeks ago, and today you're going to get to meet uh, Jay Cross. Uh, first time I met him, his name was Jason Cross, so I started calling him Jason. He said, stop that, everybody just calls me Cross, all right, so you guys can call him Cross. Uh, not exactly sure where he's going to be starting the church yet, but the timeline is that we're trying to start this church in February of 2022, and some of you guys are going to be called by God to go help us start this baby church in February of 2022. Would you guys please welcome for the second time to Grace Church, Avon J. Cross. Good morning, Grace. I'm not going to ask how you're doing because speakers are not supposed to do that. How you doing? <laughs> I so go against the grain all the time. Uh, good. Hey, so like Pastor Sean said, I'm Jason Cross. I'm one of the church plant residents here at Grace Church. And me and my wife are looking to plant a church. Uh, man. <laughs> God told me about this church that he was going to uh, build the boat while out in the water. So I'm out in the water. Uh, my family's just trusting God to not only help us with the plant, but also help us deal with children. We have uh, kids from 16 to 1. Um, yeah. So just, just think about that. Amen. Uh, pray. Pray, church. He's 16. Pray, church. <laughs> My youngest son is one. And then I have two daughters in between, Summer and Serenity. Uh, and so we're believing God to have his way in this plant. Uh, we really want to see God move. Uh, and we want to be where God tells us to be. So that's what we're listening for. Uh, please pray for our core team, uh, wherever they are. We believe, God, that they're going to show up. Um, and that, that the work is going to get done. Amen? If I say amen, I'm just looking for some agreement. Amen? All right. It's one of my favorite words to say when I preach. I'm going to preach a word one day entitled amen. Amen? <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. But uh, listen, in my earlier life, so I used to think the world uh, was just, just large huge space that I'd never be able to understand. It was people over there, people over here, oceans over there, everything. It was just so big and vast and I never understand it. And I was become overwhelmed by that because I was like, how does, how does my existence even fit into that? It's such a large space, like there are people everywhere. And I just couldn't understand it and I get overwhelmed by that. I know it's like, who even thinks about this stuff? Me. And so uh, what I realized was, if I knew my purpose, that the world fits into the palm of your hand. See, what purpose does is it allows you to navigate this large space. It allows you to navigate it intentionally. So the earth fits into your hand because you make intentional choices and decisions based on purpose. Purpose puts things into perspective. It allows us to realize what actually needs our time and attention. When we think about reaching our neighbors or loving them, as the Bible tells us to, as we love ourselves, 
That can feel really overwhelming and a daunting task, wouldn't you say? To love our neighbors according to what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 39 is the second greatest commandment, second only to loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The last week, Pastor Sean talked about uh, proximity and our responsibility to people based on how close they are, which really just means that the closer people are to us, the more responsible we are for loving them and not just loving them, loving them as we love ourselves. See, I think it's easy to be like, yeah, I love them, <laughs> but to love them like I love myself like, that's some next-level love. Huh? Because we love ourselves just a little bit different. Correct? We'd be like, we'll tell somebody, man, I got so much love for you. Oh, but me? Oh, I love me. <laughs> you ever walk past the mirror and catch yourself? Look at you. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Oh, me. Right? You lo we love ourselves. We will tell ourselves lies. You know, I can still dunk. Like, get, me, get me on an NBA court. Man, I bet you I'll put me in the game, coach. I, I remember I went on Wheel of Fortune once, right? Anybody ever seen Wheel of Fortune? So I was on that show once. And you know how we all watch at home and we're like, if that was me, I would have solved that puzzle. Man, she's stupid. Why you didn't say that, man? Oh, come on, I knew. I got on Wheel of Fortune and was like, um, let me get a four, Jack. I forgot I was supposed to be using letters and everything, right? But but I did walk away with thirty eight hundred dollars, so I did something right. Um, but it, it was a fun experience, right? <laughs> no, but we lie to ourselves. I was convinced that I was going to destroy on Wheel of Fortune, and Wheel of Fortune destroyed me. It's a setup. The, the little letter thing is like this big, and then Vanna White has like 50,000 diamonds on her dress. It's a huge distraction. So, but anyways, we lie to ourselves, but we love us. But we're responsible for loving people just like that. And that is hard to do because in order to do it, we got to move ourselves out of the way. <laughs> we be like, like, everything Jesus said was great right up until he told me to love them like I love me. Mm. Mr. Rogers had a great idea. Um, you guys remember him? Mr. Rogers, he was popular from 1968 to 2001. And every day he'd begin his show by singing a song. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I've always wanted a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please, won't you be my neighbor? 
and sing. Now, I can't sing, so I understand why you're not clapping for me, okay? That's literally the one thing the Lord has not given me the ability to do. Anything else, I can do that. Except backflips, all right? And I still don't know how to make lamb, all right? So I can do a whole bunch of other things, but, but singing is not one of them. I mean, I'm not musically talented at all. I can whistle. But Mr. Rogers had the right idea about seeking out neighbors. He wanted them to know that it was his desire and pleasure to have neighbors. Unlike the television character, Mr. Rogers, we have to live this off the screen. To do this most efficiently, we need to respect the difference between neighbors by happenstance and neighbors by intentionality. So neighbors by happenstance are people that just are in the background. You see them randomly, like everywhere you go, you like, you know, you're at the gas station, at the grocery store. They're just random passerbys. You don't have much interaction. But then there's neighbors with intentionality. These are people we encounter on terms that present spiritual opportunities. Now, don't be nervous because we're not advocating that you just walk up to random people and say, hey, man, I love you like I love myself. Or you just start singing the Mr. Rogers theme song to everybody you meet. Because people would really be like, listen, you need to back up. No, three steps, please. Six feet. And put your mask back on. <laughs> what we are saying is that we should be on alert for opportunities where people's proximity is consistent enough in our life that they become a part of our ongoing human interactions. So let me give you an example. I work with some young men, and I check in with them a couple times a week. And at one point in time, I sent them a text, and I just asked them in the text, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? Now, some of the young men responded and some didn't, but one specific young man responded and said, thanks, no one has ever offered to pray for me. Some context, these are all gang members that I'm working with, all have uh, a background, they've been in and out of jail, and he said, man, thanks, no one has ever offered to pray for me. So he actually called me after the text and said, hey, I'm down on my knees and I'm ready for that prayer. I'm going to remain standing, but let's do it. But since then, he's called me. Now, we check in over and over again, but he'll call me randomly and say, hey, I need some more of that prayer. So he's beginning to associate prayer with me, and that's a good thing. Because what he's seeing is, hey, you be talking to God on a regular basis, and if I could jump in there with y'all from time to time, I'm going to start feeling better about myself. Now, I see it as an opportunity for him to eventually raise his hand and say, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. I honestly believe he's going to be one of the first members at our church. Amen? And that's from taking the opportunity to have a spiritual encounter. Can you think of two people in your life that God might be calling you to reach? Just keep them in your mind as we go through this teaching. 
because I want you to be able to easily insert them in the different portions of this teaching so you have a clear vision. And when you see them next time, you're ready. You're ready to just, just pounce on them. Hey, neighbor, I've been praying about you. You know, I've been thinking about you. Let's talk. <laughs> like, make them feel real good. Like, you know, church folks. Oh, my goodness. All your enthusiasm for Jesus. Okay. So <laughs> but today's teaching is going to be very practical and specific because if we are actually going to handle the second greatest commandment from Jesus, we're on the right track if we have a clear strategy to do so. So, a friend of grace, Pastor Dave Ferguson, he's a pastor in Chicago, he wrote a book using the acronym BLESS. Five everyday ways to love your neighbor. Before we get into the acronym, which we're going to outline throughout the teaching as action steps we take to reach our neighbors, I, I want to share a scripture that I believe is going to add biblical emphasis to the teaching today. So, just a little context about the scripture before we read it. At this point, the church is composed mainly of Messianic Jews. These are just Jewish people who have accepted Jesus as the Messiah. And God is ready to shift things to create an aggressive advance of the gospel message to the Gentiles. So, Acts 10, 9 through 16, it says this. Peter went up to a flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by the four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled back up to heaven. Someone told me, his name was Steve, uh, and shout out to Sue. His joke made it to the pulpit that this was the first ever recorded instance of a pig in a blanket. <laughs> Shouts out to Steve for that. <laughs> All right. So, but the vision was repeated three times. Some people are still catching that one, huh? Pig in a blanket. Sheep. Okay. This <laughs> was repeated three times. I don't know about you, but if I repeat myself three times, I have one intention. I want to make sure you understand me clearly. I told you at the beginning I have a 16-year-old son. All the parents in the room, repeat, repeat, repeat. Clean your room, take out the trash, do your chore, do your homework. Do I repeat myself? Do your chore. <laughs> Have you ever had a nervous breakdown right as you were talking to your child? <sighs> Just do it. Please. But if I repeat myself, I just want to be clear. I want to make sure you understand me. And that's what God is doing for Peter right here. 
God is doing this because he knows Peter's track record, right? Peter denied Jesus three times. That's how Peter gets down. So God says, I'm going to make it relevant for you, Peter. I'm going to tell you three times just to make sure you get it. No denying this one, Peter. Okay, God also knows that Peter is committed to his Jewish customs and that Peter's going to have to shift his perspective and get a little uncomfortable if he's going to do what God has called him to do. God is using animals in this vision as a representation of the Gentiles. Again, Peter is being pulled by God to interact with something he has not in the past. Remember that this glorious vision of pigs in a blanket happened while Peter was in prayer. And that's the place that we have to start if we're going to reach our neighbors. The first B in the action steps is begin in prayer. Pray for who God has called you to reach. And then begin to pray for them. And we don't have to overthink this. We don't need the same kind of vision that Peter had. We don't have to see this glorious vision. No, no, no. We just need to pay attention to who God is putting on our hearts. That's what happened with these young these men that I reached out to. I was in prayer, and their names started to drop in my spirit. And in my spirit, I heard, let me ask them what I should pray for. And so they start thinking of me. I, got, I had a dude told me, man, cross, I don't even believe in all that God stuff, man. Go on with that. But the next time we spoke, he was like, you still praying for me? Right? He, I don't believe in that. He's like, you still praying for me? I'm like, yeah, I'm still praying for you, man, because God's going to get you. Let's go, Nate. Look. Listen, we got to be ready to pounce. See an opportunity, take an opportunity. We're collecting souls for Jesus. No. I'm sorry. I'll be on that. I'm crazy like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just pay attention to who God is putting on your heart. Who comes to mind first? As you pray, he will bring specific names to mind, and we just got to pay attention to those. That's what Peter did. He prayed, and God began to speak to him. He gave him a vision that told him who his new neighbors were going to be. Acts 10, 19 to 21. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry. I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? So Peter prayed. He listened, and the Spirit gave confirmation. Now, we might not get the same kind of vision as Peter, like I said, but we can pray. We can listen, and the Holy Spirit will give confirmation. Once Peter received confirmation about who his neighbor was, he had the perfect response when they showed up at his door. He asked questions and he listened. That's in verse 21. So Peter went down and said, I am the man you're looking for. Why have you come? Which brings us to our second action step. After we begin with prayer, we need to L, listen with care. As we attempt to reach our neighbors, we need to listen up. We need to get to know them. Ask good questions instead of focusing on having the best answers. Aside from relieving the tension that we don't have the best answer, listening does three powerful things. Now, I know when, when you talk about having the best answer as a Christian, like what if the person asked me where Genesis is at in the Bible? And I don't know. 
it's in the beginning. Just, just want to make sure everyone knows that. <laughs> but what if they ask me for interpretations or different versions or why or what about Jesus' name and a why or this? And they just start getting deep and throwing all this intellectual stuff. That's really just a barrier for them not reaching God. You don't have to worry about any of that. What you need to be prepared to do is listen and ask good questions. Because listening does three powerful things. Number one, it helps us to understand our neighbors. Who doesn't seek to be understood? Come on, raise your hand. You, it just annoys you when people understand you. Huh? I know my wife, when, when we were younger, we've been married 17 years, but we used to go through this understanding issue all the time. And most of the time it was me being told that I did not understand. All the wives in the room nudging husbands right now. Take notes, <laughs> right? The understanding part for me was a matter of pride because I did not seek to understand. That wasn't my, that's not what I was trying to do in the younger days of my marriage. But I learned if I wanted a healthy, long-lasting marriage that I was going to have to get my understanding game up. I was going to need to understand my wife. So when my wife says to me now, you don't understand, I get nervous. I break out in hives. What I, I, where did I go wrong? Like, help me fix it now. I'll make you breakfast. You, um, what? What do you need? Here's the trip. Go get your nails done. Something. Because a girl, I want you to be understand, understood as fast as possible. Understanding helps us build with our neighbors. The second thing, um, the second thing listening does is, is it builds trust with our neighbors. People listening to us helps us build trust. How many of you love talking to somebody and all they're doing is staring at their phone? You're trying to express something that might be weighing you down and they just got their face down in their phone, right? They, they come up for air every now and then and say, man, that's great. And you're like, I, I got my dog's day. <laughs> now, three likes. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, that's awesome. What? Like, we, we got to be able to listen. It builds trust. And the last thing listening does is it makes our neighbor feel important and valued. The Bible reminds us in James 1.19 to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We got to listen. And a great way to do this listening thing, to practice it, is to eat and, and bless. Eat together. And all throughout the Bible, they had Jewish feasts, Jesus feasts of 5,000. They had the Last Supper. We have date night, Super Bowl party, Thanksgiving. We love to eat. How many people hate eating? I love to eat, right? If you don't, if you don't know my name, just, just say food, and I'll show up. I like to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. My kid got me watching Coco Melon. And it's, and I got the songs memorized like it's crazy. But I love eating. Where food is, there you will find me. Don't let Chick-fil-A all of a sudden say, you know what? We're losing too much money on Sunday. Whew. Good Lord. Y'all had a chicken biscuit from Chick-fil-A? Oh, man. Early in the morning, fresh out, buttery biscuit, beautiful crispy chicken, 
beer battered. <laughs> food is good, and food brings us together, right? Food, every time you ever decide you're going to do a fast, and that's the day somebody wants to meet up with you, you're like, dang, well, the Lord would want me to reach you, so. I hear you, Lord. <laughs> we'll put the fast on pause. Let's eat, right? Don't go to Ruth's Chris for a steak. <laughs> so good. So good. All right. So, but sharing a meal with our neighbor is a huge way we can love them and show that we care. It makes us comfortable. It settles us down. It puts us into a place where we are ready to listen, and it builds relationship. And the most powerful place for the gospel to happen is in relationships. And that's what having a meal does for us. So we need to, again, begin with prayer, listen with care, and eat together. Think about a neighbor. Keep it in mind. Who do you need to sit down and break bread with? Let's get back to this biblical account so we can conclude the last two final steps. We're getting there. Acts 10. The next day, Peter went with them. The three men showed up from the vision. Peter went with them, accompanied by some brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them. He called together his relatives and friends. As Peter entered his house, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter picked him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together. They went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile's home like this and associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius fell at his feet in worship, but Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human just like you. This is significant for Peter because his whole life he has thought of the Gentiles as unclean, people he could not be around. He did not want to associate with them. So being in a Gentile neighbor's home for the first time was probably a little bit awkward for Peter. Listen, as we go to reach our neighbors, it is going to feel awkward as well. However, not our will be done. God's will be done. Like Peter said, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. When the Lord is calling you to reach your neighbor, we need to show up without objection. Not fight against the Holy Spirit when it's pulling us to pray for someone, when it's pulling us to listen to someone, when it's pulling us to sit and have a meal with someone. We got to show up without objection and be ready to do what the Lord has called us to do and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. When we overcome these awkward emotions and feelings to, to get to reach our neighbors, what we are saying to them is, you are valuable to God, and I place that value that God has of you above myself and my own feelings and emotions. I want you to know that you're valued, and I recognize that. What we're doing right here is the, the, next, um, the next phase of the action step is just serving them. Because I, I wonder how, how many of our neighbors like Cornelius don't feel valued. They feel overlooked. And just you serving and spending time with them could be what changes that. 
because we serve, they might feel valued, and that is powerful. So we need to serve them in a way that makes them feel more valued and cared for. If we've been praying with them, we've been taking time to listen to them, we've shared meals with them, it probably won't be too difficult to serve them because you know them now. But let me give you four ways we can serve our neighbors well. Number one, we already talked about, we can listen to them. Listening is a service. Listening is a service. When someone is speaking and they are letting out the things that are on their life that might be heavy for them and you are giving them their attention, that's you serving them well. You might, somebody might be sitting with things so heavy on their chest that it's weighing them down and giving them backaches. But your listening allows them to get that stuff off their chest. Listen well. Number two, you can live by the fruit of the spirit so they can see it and grow. That's serving them. When we live, when we live out the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. When they see that, that gives them an opportunity to see what godly patience looks like, what godly peace looks like, what godly love looks like, what godly goodness looks like. And that's serving them to help them grow in the Lord. Number three, show them how valuable they are to God. And number four, be sensitive to the way the Spirit shows you you can serve them. Some things you won't have track of. You won't be able to, to know yourself. It won't be put on paper, but the Spirit will give you clarity about how you can serve them well. And Summit, this is a bonus one. Just being a friend is a service. So show up and be a good neighbor. Be a friend. Thank Mr. Rogers when you're approaching your neighbors. So this is back to the scripture. Cornelius is, is answering Peter's question because Peter keeps asking, why have you sent for me? Cornelius replied, four days ago, I was praying in my house and about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon, suddenly a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messages to Joppa and some of a man named Peter. He's staying in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives near the seashore. So. I sent for you at once, and it was good for you to come. Now we're all here waiting for the, what the Lord, the message for us, what the Lord has given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news of the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea? beginning in Galilee after John began preaching his message of baptism. When Peter starts in verse 35, he's doing the last action step. He's sharing his story. Here's why I've chosen to follow Jesus, and here's how you can too. That's our responsibility. The Bible says we're overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. When we share our story with people, what it does, it works two ways. It reminds us of everything that God has brought us through, out of, and over, and what God is doing in our lives. And it helps our neighbors know what it looks like to see God bring you through things. Your neighbor might be going through some things that God has already delivered you from and brought you through and taught you about. And you listening and hearing them and sharing your story with them, now they learn, wow, God can do that. 
and they want to know more. So it's an opportunity for them to begin to ask you questions about what God has done in your life. Most of the time we feel overwhelmed about sharing our faith with our neighbor because we jump right to this step first. And that's not that's not the way to do it. That can be really intimidating. That's not what Jesus was referring to when he told us to share our faith and show love to our neighbor. It should be more organic. And if we have begun with prayer, we've listened with care, we've eaten a meal, and we've, we've served them, sharing our stories will come easy. Listen, maybe you are here today because somebody shared their story with you. And now you're here saying, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to know Jesus just like that? We're going to give you an opportunity to do that in a minute. I just want to remind you that loving our neighbors can be done. It doesn't have to be a nerve-wracking intimidate or intimidating. Look, it's just a matter of us being intentional with the people who are in our proximity. So let's take a pressure off ourselves and use these five steps. Use these five steps outlined today. Begin with prayer. Listen with care. Eat together. Serve them. And share your story. Who is a neighbor that God has called you to bless this month? Even in times where we are behind mass and we have to be distanced from each other, that's your neighbor behind that mass who God loves just as much as he loves you. Take time to bless them. One step at a time. Let's pray. If you're here and, and the Lord is ministering to you that it's time to pray for some people, I pray that God will move that on you. If it's time for you to listen up, be more, be more readily available to hear people, I pray God will do that in you. If it's time for you to eat and break bread with a neighbor, I pray God would move you to do so. If it's time for you to just serve, I pray God would use you to do so. And if it's time for you to share your story, I pray that God would give you the boldness and the confidence and the humility to share your story that someone else might come to know Jesus. I pray for anyone in this room under the sound of my voice that might want to know Jesus, that you would ready your hearts to receive him today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.